Thank you for joining the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Northwestern Division for today's Missouri River Basin Conference call. This call is our monthly update webinar to provide an update of current runoff conditions in the Missouri River Basin. These calls are only part of our efforts to communicate with basin residents. We place all our news releases on our website at www.nwd.usace.army.mil. We also place these items on social media at NWDUSACE. We encourage the public to use these resources as well as our web app to get the latest information from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the National Weather Service, and other partner agencies. These calls are provided as a courtesy to congressional representatives, tribal, state, and local government officials, including levy sponsors and emergency managers, and the media. I will be moderating today's call, and my name is Eileen Williamson. These calls are recorded, and they will be placed on the Defense Video Imagery and Distribution System, and the links are available at www.nwd.usace.army.mil slash mrwm under latest news. Your participation today acknowledges your consent to be recorded. If you are not connected to the webinar, the slides are available at the bottom of today's press release. All lines have been placed on mute for this call. To unmute your line to ask a question, press star six. If you had the webinar call your phone, it is possible to be double muted on the webinar and on your phone. Be aware that the forced mute function does not necessarily work on all phones, so please use your phone's own mute function to avoid interrupting the call and do not place the call on hold. The agenda for today is as follows. From NOAA, we have Doug Cluck. From the National Weather Service, Missouri Basin River Forecast Center, Mr. Kevin Lau. From the Missouri River Water Management Division, Mr. John Remus and representatives from, him, from his staff. We also have Jed Kneven with the Kansas City District to provide an update uh, for levees in that area. These updates will be followed by a question and answer session Calls for questions will not be part of the recording if none are asked, and I will now turn the call over to Doug Cluck. All right, well, thank you, Eileen, and thanks to the Corps for inviting NOAA to this, this, uh, this call on a monthly basis. Uh, I'm going to go over the weather and climate outlook in the next few minutes. So, that, yep, let's go to the next slide. Um, this is the departure of... What you're seeing here is the last 90 days, more or less, over the uh, basin or basin states for the, for the most part. Uh, the image on the left is uh, just early December through early March. And the colors that you see there, the, the greenish colors are below normal, slightly below normal. Yellow uh, and orange colors are above normal in terms of temperature. Um, before we had the cold snap in February, all of this map would have been yellow to, to red, actually, um, in terms of uh, temperatures being above normal. Um, that cold snap actually put us back to about normal. <laughs> when you take 90 days in, 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 into account and average it all out, but even with that, you're seeing temperatures in North Dakota, South Dakota, and eastern Montana still above normal. Um, and like I said earlier, the light green colors are slightly below normal, again, when you average all, all of those 90 days out. 
On the right, you see a, 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 an interesting map from a precipitation percent point of view for that same period. Uh, the red areas are what should draw our eyes the most because they're being pretty consistent over that area, being basically uh, north and south Dakota and eastern Montana being very dry. Also, some dryness in western Kansas and such. Uh, there is a, there is a, an area sort of from southern, southern Montana through Nebraska that did have above normal precipitation, and that shows up as greens and blues through that period. So some big heavy snows basically. Uh, uh, in that area through that time. And uh, some areas in the lower, far lower basin that, that around Missouri that, ha that had average to uh, slightly above normal uh, precipitation during those three months. But the, the big picture is dryness. Next, next uh, slide. Looking more recently in the last 30 days, now you can see on the left uh, what that uh, cold snap did in terms of temperatures from February 1st, basically, to the beginning of, of March, really shows up well, even though early February and late February uh, were a little bit warmer than normal. Um, that cold was so cold that we are, uh, in some cases here, uh, 12 degrees below normal when you average it out over 12, uh, 30 days. So that's 30 days averaged out there, some warmth to the south and west where the cold air didn't penetrate. Um, and then on the right, uh, sort of more of the same in terms of precipitation. A little bit, a little better news in the upper, upper uh, uh, in Montana, uh, northwest part of the basin, uh, but generally dry over the lower basin and in far northern basins. Okay, next slide. And I suppose a bunch of people are going to talk about this, so I'll be very short. Uh, near normal to below normal. Uh, averages in terms of snow water accumulation in the mountains, maybe a little bit better than we were a month ago. Next slide. Uh, there's your plain snowpack. There is none, okay, or, or virtually no snowpack. And that's quite a bit below normal, actually, especially in Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota this time of year. Next slide. Uh, this is the outlook for the next seven days. So if you accumulate all the rain and snow over the next seven days, uh, this is the total amount you, you, you might see during that period. Uh, there's going to be a storm system going through Kansas uh, later, basically later today uh, and, and, and tomorrow. Um, that's going to bring a little rain down there. And then later in the week, later in the seven-day period, another system across the northern part of the basin, but nothing really to write home about. We hope this accumulates in the mountains a little bit. We, you know, tamp down the dust and whatever, and wildfires for that matter, in the Dakotas, uh, where they desperately need something um, to wetten things up a little bit before we get too warm. So next slide. <clears throat> so here's the week two, in other words, the, the days eight through 14, if you will, uh, uh, outlook for temperatures on the left, and you can see there's quite a bit of blue, which means better probability of below normal uh, temperature, especially Montana, Wyoming, into the plains. Uh, so, so the basin as a whole, uh, is that week, it looks averaging out below normal there. Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head if that cold air is going to continue moving east or not. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And then, uh, 
as far as precipitation, um, not anything to write home about. Again, we have a slight uh, increase in probability across sort of the central part of the basin in terms of above normal precipitation, but uh, below normal probabilities way to the north. And uh, yeah, and so we'll go to the next slide. That's for week two. And then the month, the, the all of March averaged together, uh, we're still looking at above, uh, image on the left, uh, looking at above normal probabilities for temperature. Uh, and those are, those are, I would say those are fairly strong probabilities. Um, and, and, you know, based on the first 14 days of this or 10 days of this month, it's going to probably turn out to be above normal for that period. And, and looks like it's going to warm up after we get to this cooler than normal period a little later. And then on the right, uh, there's uh, not a lot to talk about in terms of precipitation, in terms of above normal, um, but there is, there is in terms of below normal, Colorado, western Kansas, Nebraska, you know, sort of pushing up there, uh, uh, better probabilities for below normal precipitation up through uh, Wyoming and uh, western Nebraska and South Dakota. Then the next slide for April or March, April, May. So the three-month period, when you average it all out, uh, temperatures on the left again, a, per, a fairly good indication that you know we average it all out through those three months, we're gonna we're gonna see above normal temperatures except for the northernmost part of the basin, uh, that would be North Dakota and uh, Montana for the most part, uh, and even a sliver of slightly below normal temperatures up there in uh, in Montana is is on the forecast, and then. On, from a precipitation point of view, kind of the same pattern, but dry to the south, the southern part of the basin, uh, especially in the southwestern part of the basin, Colorado, Wyoming, uh, western Kansas, uh, better probabilities for that. And really nothing uh, in terms of above normal that we're seeing for precipitation. Again, averaging those three months out together. Okay. So let's go to the next slide. Uh, yeah, here's the drought update. Uh, image on the left is current drought, the drought monitor, wherever you see a color other than white, uh, you, that, that those areas are uh, either abnormally dry or in drought. Okay, so um, one thing we're trying to avoid this year is going into spring, especially summer, uh, with with this kind of pattern, because the only thing summer does is dry things up more and it gets hot, as you all know. So we're hoping for good spring, a good spring uh, uh, wet season uh, in, across the Missouri Basin, especially the Upper Basin and Colorado. Uh, and then on the right is the drought outlook, which isn't favorable necessarily, because where you see brown really means that the out the, the, the prediction folks are thinking that it's not going to change that much. And that's through the end of May. That's through the end of May. Where you see yellow is where drought may develop or drought development is likely, actually, uh, on this map. And then finally, next slide. Uh, the key points here are, uh, I didn't talk about La Nina, but a lot of those maps that, that you saw there um, do favor sort of a La Nina pattern. And uh, we do think La Nina is going to continue to fade into the into spring and definitely into the summer. It may not go away and it may resurge this fall. That's, that's, a, that's, a not, that's not uncommon that that happens. So we may see a couple years of La Nina. We'll see. 
the jury's out on that yet. And as I mentioned, snowpack is pretty much gone in the plains. Mountain snowpack a little bit below normal. Um, and the outlooks, uh, outlooks in the short term are sort of favorable, a little bit of more coolness moving in and a little bit better chances for above normal uh, precipitation in the long term. Uh, long term, not so favorable, above normal temperatures. Most of the basin, uh, especially the southern part, and precipitation mostly drier, especially in the west and southwest uh, part of the basin. And, of course, on the 18th, is that a week or two? I guess it's two weeks from now. We'll be doing a uh, webinar on the 18th and catch you up on the latest Climate Prediction Center information as well. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Doug. And Kevin Lau, over to you. All righty. Can you hear me okay, Eileen? <laughs> yeah, we got you. Thank you. All righty. Thank you. Um, so, uh, snowpack conditions in the mountains. Uh, next slide, please, I think. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Uh, snowpack conditions in the mountains can be generally categorized as near normal in the north to below normal in the south. By this point in the winter, we've usually accumulated about 80% of the seasonal peak snow water equivalent in the mountains. And so the mountain contributions to the 2021, excuse me, 2021 runoff season is coming into focus. The March water supply forecast developed by the National Weather Service was issued two days ago, and our March water supply forecast suggests a below normal runoff season uh, covering the period April through September. We said plain snow is, in, for all intents and purposes, non-existent. And also, as Doug said, soil moisture conditions across the basin continue to be drier than normal. The most recent U.S. Drought Monitor lists 90% of the Missouri Basin as being abnormally dry or worse. River ice concerns are now limited to the northern tier states, Montana, Wyoming, and the Dakotas. And while risk for breakup jamming is low, uh, we still need to remain vigilant over the next few weeks. Flood risk for the Missouri Basin is lower than normal given the dry soil conditions, lack of plains snow, and an average to lower than average mountain snowpack. Our office issued its most recent 90-day outlook on February 22nd, and it covers the three-month period, March, April, and May. And this is graphically depicted on the graphic on the right Green dots are good. Uh, that means that we're not expecting flooding. Colored dots indicate flooding. The outlook indicates the likelihood of minor to moderate flooding along the Little Sioux River in northwest Iowa, as well as minor to moderate flooding in the lower portion of the basin, including southeastern Nebraska, eastern Kansas, and the state of Missouri. And the Missouri River itself is likely to see minor flooding from Rulo, Nebraska downstream. All this is very typical. Thunderstorm activity drives flooding in the lower basin, and we've already seen tributary flooding in southern Missouri this year, which serves to remind us, again, that flooding can occur year-round in the lower basin. Our office's most recent spring flood outlook can be accessed at the link shown in blue on this graphic, and NOAA will release its national spring outlook on Thursday, March 18th and there should be a press release regarding that. 
Thank you, and this concludes the National Weather Service Flood Potential Brief. All right, thank you, Kevin, and I will now hand it to John Remus and his staff for the water management update. John. Uh, thank you, Eileen. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, yes, and I'd like to thank Doug Cluck and Kevin Lau for their insights. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm John Remus, Chief of the Missouri River Basin Water Management Division. Our office is responsible for regulating the Missouri River Mainstream Reservoir System. I will provide some general remarks, and then I will turn the discussion over to my senior staff for more detailed information. I want to again assure everyone in the basin that the Corps remains fully committed to our flood risk reduction mission, protecting stakeholders when we can from significant runoff events that pose a threat to human health and safety. Floods can and will occur regardless of basin or system conditions. This includes ice-induced flooding during the winter freeze-in and spring breakup periods. Just in the last few weeks, ice jams occurred in central Missouri, and while these jams did not lead to flooding, they did threaten some intakes. Also, widespread thunderstorms in the lower Missouri River Basin cannot, can and do occur. I suspected flooding and runoff from large storms in the lower basin cannot always be mitigated by the operation of the main stem reservoirs. We will continue to meet, excuse me, uh, further, it is important to understand that the volume, timing, and location at which runoff enters the system significantly impacts the timing and amount of releases from the reservoirs. Each runoff system or each runoff season, excuse me, or flooding event is unique. Care should be taken when comparing one event to another. We will continue to meet our statutory obligations to operate the Missouri River Mainstream Reservoir System for its authorized purposes as described in the Master Water Control Manual. We will also continue to comply with all laws and the provisions of the 2018 Biological Opinion. As Doug talked about earlier, uh, there was a very cold snap in, in the basin that occurred over the last few weeks. When a sudden and severe cold spell occurs, a few things can happen. One is the formation of ice jams, which can lead to flooding and water supply issues that intakes that, at intakes that would normally be operable. The other is a significant and rapid decrease in the tributary inflow as more and more water turns into ice. This can lead to lower overall stages on the Missouri River and can cause operational problems for intakes. To lessen the chances of ice jams, particularly upstream of the Platte River, and to decrease the rate at which stages would decline, system releases were increased from 17,000 cubic feet per second to 19,000 cubic feet per second on February 12th. Once temperatures moderated, releases were reduced back to 17,000 cubic feet per second. A second action that was taken during the cold snap, or in response to the cold snap, uh, the, our office provided additional power generation capacity to Western Area Power Administration during the most critical time. For the past several years, our focus has been primarily evacuation of stored flood water, and water supply has not been an issue. However, as Doug Cluck and Kevin Lau have pointed out, the basin is much drier than it has been in, re, in the recent past. As of now, the reservoir system is in very good shape from both a flood control and flow support point of view, but if the dry conditions persist or worsen, we may be implementing water conservation measures yet this year. 
I don't want to alarm anyone. However, I do want to remind everyone that there is always water in the river and that access to the water is the, is the particular facility owner or operator's responsibility. Now would be a good time for intake operators to review, update, or develop contingency plans just in case runoff in the upper basin requires water conservation measures. On December 29th, we posted the 2020-2021 Annual Operating Plan, or AOP, to our website. I want to again thank everyone that provided comments on the draft AOP. In January, we sent out hard copies to the AOP, hard copies of the AOP to those individuals and organizations on our AOP mailing list. The 2020-2021 AOP will be the last one that will be provided in hard copy. All future AOPs will be available digitally through our webpage. We posted our 1 March 2021 Upper Basin Runoff Forecast earlier this week. Kevin Grody will provide more details on the runoff forecast. I want to remind everyone that the runoff forecast is based on the best available information. It is important to understand that the forecast can and will likely change. Lastly, I want to remind everyone that our spring public meeting will be held on April 6th at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Due to the continued travel restrictions and COVID-19 protocols, the meeting will be virtual. Meeting details will be provided at a later date. We sincerely hope that by this fall, we will be able to resume face-to-face -face public meetings. That concludes my remarks. Thank you very much. I will now turn the discussion over to Kevin Grody. Thanks, Ken. So now I am on slide 16. So the 2021 calendar year runoff forecast for the Upper Missouri Basin above Sioux City, Iowa is 21.7 million acre feet, which is 84% of average. Now moving to slide 17. So the February runoff was 0.8 million acre feet, about 70% of average. Runoff was below average due to below normal precipitation, as well as much below temperatures, which caused many of the tributaries to be locked up in ice. As you can see on this graphic, we are forecasting below average runoff during each month of the March, April, May, June, and July, or that five-month period where we have the bulk of our runoff. The most important factors in determining our runoff forecast are the current runoff trends, soil moisture, plains snowpack, mountain snowpack, and precipitation and temperature outlooks. So let's move to slide 18 now. And as Doug Cluck already mentioned, uh, soil moisture conditions continue to be very dry in the majority of the upper basin, and particularly dry in the western portion of the upper basin. Let's go to slide 19. And as both Doug and Kevin Lau mentioned, the Plains snowpack was very light in the upper basin this year, and for the most part, it is all melted. And next slide. So now I'm on slide 20. And as Kevin Lau mentioned, we're about 80% of the way through the mountain snowpack accumulation period. 
Normally, the mountain snowpack peaks in mid-April. As of March 1st, the mountain snowpack was slightly below normal in both reaches, the one above Fort Peck and between Fort Peck and Garrison. So in summary, the 2021 calendar year runoff forecast is 21.7 million acre feet, which is 84% of average. And now I'll turn it over to Mike Swenson to talk about the monthly reservoir studies. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Uh, as John mentioned, Gavin's Point releases are currently at 17,000 CFS. Releases will remain at that rate for about two more weeks and then be stepped up on or around March 19th to provide flow support for navigation. Support flows will reach the mouth near St. Louis by April 1st. Flows will be adjusted as needed to meet the downstream targets. On slide 22, we see the system storage. In mid-December, the reservoir system storage reached 56.1 million acre feet, which is the base of the annual flood control zone. This means that all the stored 2020 flood water has been evacuated from the system. Currently, the system storage is at 55.7 million acre feet, just below the base of the flood control zone. In terms of the monthly simulations or monthly studies, the basic simulation uses the runoff forecast that Kevin just discussed. Due to the amount of variability in precipitation and other hydrologic factors that can occur over the next several months, we also develop an upper and lower runoff that are then used in the upper and lower basic simulations. These simulations provide a range of reservoir elevations and releases that may be expected under the different runoff scenarios. The discussion to follow will mainly focus on the basic or most likely runoff forecast. Information on the other runoff simulations is posted on our website. Uh, moving on to slide 23 and looking basically at the upper three reservoirs, Fort Peck, Garrison, and Oahe are currently 0.9 0.7 and 0.9 feet below the base of their respective flood control zones. As shown on the basic forecast, Fort Peck Reservoir is expected to peak near elevation 2237. That's three feet into the 16-foot flood pool, which extends from elevation 2234 to 2250. Peak releases are expected to average about 10,500 CFS this summer. Garrison Reservoir is expected to peak near elevation 1842.9. That's 5.4 feet into the 16.5-foot flood pool, which extends from elevation 1837.5 to 1854. Peak releases are expected to average about 25,000 CFS this summer. Oahe Reservoir is expected to peak near elevation 1608.7. That's 1.2 feet into the 12.5-foot flood pool, which extends from elevation 1607.5 to 1620. Peak releases are expected to average about 33,000 CFS. Uh, next slide. Slide 24. Uh, service level is used to determine releases from Gavin's Point Dam to support navigation and to help provide an eight to nine foot deep navigation channel downstream. The navigation service level at the start of the navigation season is typically based on the March 15th system storage. 
We are now just a few days away from March 15th, and it is likely that flow support for navigation will be uh, at full service. Full service flow support is designed to provide a nine-foot deep navigation channel. For the full service level on the basic simulation, Gavin's Point monthly average releases range from approximately 27,000 CFS to 33,000 CFS. Releases will be, will be dependent on downstream conditions and will be reduced in response to downstream flooding. However, the effectiveness of the reservoir system to reduce peak stages along the lower river diminishes as you move downstream due to the travel time. The service level for the remainder of the navigation season and the navigation season length are based on the July 1st system storage. Under the basic forecast, flow support for navigation would be full service after the July 1st storage check and a full eight-month navigation season would be provided. Note that under the lower basic forecast, which again is the drier condition, flow support for navigation is reduced below full service by about 2,500 CFS after the July 1st storage check, and the winter releases are down at 12,000 CFS. Uh, next slide. Uh, annual generation at the main stem dams under the basic simulation is 9.6 billion kilowatt hours. The long-term average is right at 9.5 billion kilowatt hours. And the last slide, slide 25 shows the Missouri River Basin weekly update, which is found on our website at the address shown on the top of the slide. This webpage gives a general overview of the current conditions in the basin and is updated weekly, usually on Tuesday morning. Thank you, and that concludes my remarks. I'll turn it back to Eileen. Thanks, Mike. And uh, we're going to hand it to Jed Knieven in the uh, Kansas City District to provide an update on uh, the levees there. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I'm Jed Knieven. I'm the Emergency Management Chief uh, in the Kansas City District. So we're making Progress with uh, levy repairs. Uh, at this point, we're about 75% complete. Uh, we've awarded 53 uh, 56 anticipated contracts. Uh, the three remaining contracts, one has been advertised and not awarded. Uh, that's Missouri River Levy System L385 in Platte County. And we have two non-fed levy systems in Warren County, Missouri uh, that have yet to be advertised. And we continue uh, to pursue both of those projects. Each of them have uh, their own specific issue, uh, but we uh, do have hopes that uh, we'll work through those and get them advertised and under construction quickly. Of uh, the total number of levies, we still have six that are breached, and those six levy systems are gonna take a while uh, to get repaired. Uh, L246 is under construction, and we anticipate all breach closures by April 1st. Uh, that is in Sheraton County, Missouri, R500 in Donovan County, uh, Kansas. We anticipate breach closure by April 1st. The Corning levy system, a non-fed in Holt County, Missouri, we anticipate breach closure uh, by April 15th. Holt County number 10 in Holt County, Missouri, uh, we anticipate breach closures by May 1st. Holt County number nine in Holt County, Missouri, we're anticipating all breach closures by September 1st. And then the last one is the Rushville Sugar Lake 
uh, Platte County drainage district number two levee system, which sits on the border of Buchanan County and Platte County, Missouri. We're anticipating that it too will have breach closures by September 1st of this year. And with that said, we are in our flood preparedness season. And at the end of March, the beginning of April, uh, we anticipate holding a couple virtual sessions to talk about the spring uh, preparedness season. And we'll go over our flood assessment and outlook uh, for this year. Plus, we'll talk about some of the preparedness activities that we're undertaking. We do not anticipate holding any face-to-face -face flood fight training uh, with our sponsors or partners this year due to COVID. Eileen, I think that uh, concludes what I have to discuss today. Thank you. All right, thanks, Judd. And um, did we have somebody from Omaha uh, Readiness Branch come on the line? Provide an update. Um, you may need to star six to unmute as well as at your computer. It is possible we didn't have someone join us, but just didn't want to pass that. Okay, so with that, we will move to the question and answer session. Um, this slide notes that the next, uh, our next update will actually be public meetings rather than uh, this call. It provides a little bit more detailed uh, information and uh, we'll be updating um, the webinar details on our website in the uh, coming days. Um, the question and answer session, as we've stated before, is recorded. Um, we go in alphabetical order by state. We'll start first with uh, congressional delegation members, tribes, state officials, local government officials, levy sponsors, and then we'll move to the press in a, a second round of um, queries. You may need to press star six to unmute your phone. Please state your name and the organization you represent before asking your question. I'll start with the state of Iowa. Again, you may need to unmute on your computer and your phone. And star six to unmute on your phone. Kansas. Missouri. Montana. Nebraska. North Dakota. South Dakota. And Wyoming. Okay, we'll move to the media. Again, star six and potentially at your computer screen to unmute your phone. State your name and the organization you represent before asking a question. Uh, State of Iowa. Kansas. Missouri. Montana, Nebraska, 
Eileen, this is Nancy. Can you hear me? Sure can. Go ahead, Nancy. Thank you. Yeah, so um, just want to get a sense of the context of how unusual the dry conditions are. And I, if you don't have this right now, maybe later today, how long has it been since um, we've had a forecast? It's probably on that chart, but a forecast uh, uh, this low for spring for, for runoff. And so that's one question. And then I believe you answered the question, but I would like to clarify it. Um, did I understand correctly that uh, releases from Gavin's Point for now are going to be based on providing enough water for navigation? But if there needs to be a shift to managing the river for drought, uh, and i.e. cutting back the navigation amount, that would occur after July 1. Um, is, is, is that correct? And then, yeah, I think those would be my two main questions. Thank you. So, Nancy, uh, this is John Remus. We'll get you an uh, uh, answer to that question of when the last time we had a, uh, a runoff forecast in March this low. Uh, we'll have to look that up. Uh, we have not hit any uh, water conservation target or water conservation uh, threshold yet. And uh, as Mike Swenson pointed out, uh, under our basic forecast, we're not anticipating hitting any of those in 2021. Oh, okay. Uh, however, we would not hit, we would not implement any of those until July 1st when we do our July 1st storage check. Uh, and could you give us an example when you say uh, threshold, what would be an example of, what do you mean by threshold? It's uh, the, uh, our, our storage checks are based on a, the total amount of water stored in the system. And uh, go back a few slides, to, uh, could you, Eileen? Keep going back, slide right there, oh, well, slide 24. There. Um, that, uh, I don't know if you could see the slides, Nancy, yep. or not. Yep. But if you look at that, our March 15th storage check, if we have at least 54.5 million acre feet stored, we would have full service for the first half of the year. On uh, July 1st, if we have uh, 57.0 million acre-feet stored, we would have full service for the second half of the season. And uh, for the season length on July 1st, we would have to have uh, uh, 51.5 million acre-feet on that chart. If we have so something less than that on those storage check days, then we would adjust our releases accordingly. So when you said that people should be prepared, that was mostly a cautionary thing. You're not, like you said, anticipating. We're not anticipating that, but then again, if we do get a really dry spring and summer here, we may be down to a minimum flows of 12,000 CFS in the wintertime, which could be problematic for water intake. So rather than waiting for it to happen, I'm encouraging people just to dust off their uh, uh, their contingency plans uh, to make sure that uh, they don't get caught. That's, that's, uh, I'm not predicting it. I'm not uh, anticipating it, but uh, we don't want to end up uh, without power. Okay. Thank you water. very much. Okay. Thank you both. And we'll get back to you on that uh, that forecast. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks, Nancy. Uh, any other questions, State of Nebraska? Yeah, this is uh, Chris Clayton. Hello. Um, if you can, if you're on speakerphone, it may be best to go to your handset or uh, lean into the phone a little bit more. Uh, just a little bit better. Yes, it is. Thank you. And your name? Chris Clayton. I'm with BTA Progressive Okay. I'm, I just have a question about uh, those uh, lower areas that still have reached uh, heavy situations. What's the, I, you, I know the risk overall is uh, lower flooding. Um, what's the risk, though, for those areas that are still facing uh, reach situations since, uh, uh, until those are repaired? Okay, so what is the situation with areas that are still dealing with breached levees, correct? Yeah, correct. Okay. I'm going to hand that to Judd Kenevan in Kansas City. Uh, well, the bottom, bottom line is that they're susceptible to flooding, and those folks are going to have to uh, be diligent and paying attention to uh, what's going on around them uh, through that period. Uh, the contracts have all been awarded for those projects. Uh, they're actively being worked. Uh, some of them are further along than than others. Uh, typically, we will start on the upstream ends of those levee systems to close those breaches so that if we were find ourselves in a flood situation, the water would back in at the lower end, and, and then uh, as the river levels receded, it would uh, the, the flooding would follow and empty the bottoms. But uh, there's no guarantees through this year, so uh, we've We've been in contact with all those Spartan uh, sponsors, their partners with this. They understand uh, that they are at risk. Uh, the other thing that it impacts is their crop insurance rates, and the Corps works closely with the risk management agency uh, and, and helping them to determine whether uh, the levies will afford any type of protection and what that level of protection is. Over. Uh, and I'll just add, in addition to that, when levees are repaired and restored to their full height, uh, just because they're at their full height, they may still present some risk either due to uh, requiring vegetation or uh, final relief structures. So it's important to, even if a levee has been repaired and raised to its original height, um, to, to still be vigilant uh, of the potential risks there. And just to follow up, I would also like to get that information Sorry, uh, can you speak up again? I apologize. I'd also like to get the information about the dance you mentioned about the, uh, where this falls, this forecast falls historically. So uh, you're you're looking for the particular locations where these are? Is that no, what you're no, saying? The, the same thing that Nancy did ask requested for regarding Okay, so you'd like us to provide you more uh, the the information that Nancy had requested. Yes. Okay, um, and I've got Chris Clayton with DTN. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, I have noted your name, and I will provide your contact information to John, and we will share that information with you as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, any other questions for State of Nebraska? Okay, 
Um, as a reminder to unmute your phone is, is star six, and then also double check to make sure that you are unmuted at your computer. We'll move to the state of North Dakota. And South Dakota. Eileen, this is Jody Heemster at DRG Media Group. Hey, Jody. Could one of you, I don't know if there's too much to say, but um, could somebody touch on the role that um, the dams played as far as power generation during that cold snap at the end of February? Did things get kicked up to try and help out and supply some power? How, how did how did the, uh, the the core and the power plants um, work into that? John. Yeah, so this is Mike Swenson. Uh, I'll just elaborate a little bit on what John said earlier. So energy from the main stem dams is marketed by uh, Department of Energy, in this case specifically Western Area Power Administration. And then Western is a member of the Southwest Power Pool that uh, provides energy to a large regional area. So during the coldest part of this recent event, uh, the Corps worked with Western so that we could increase the output of uh, the Missouri River hydropower projects, and we did that by increasing releases. Uh, and as John mentioned, it was, uh, you know, there was quite a bit of ice formation during that time, so we had to closely monitor the ice conditions below the dams. Uh, energy at the projects was increased from what we had originally planned for about four days, and we generated uh, thousands of extra megawatt hours in, in energy assistance during that period. Um, it was really short-term adjustment in releases, basically intrasystem regulation of the project. It won't have any long-term uh, impacts on reservoir levels, and, you know, we didn't change releases from Gavin's point during that period. Um, if you want you know, additional details about, um, you know, how Western worked during that period, we would uh, just provide Western's contact information for you if you want some additional detail. Now, between what John said and what, what you just added, I've, that's good for me. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jody. Uh, any other uh, queries from the state of South Dakota? Okay, and Wyoming. And any other media or uh, people on the line that have a question that they would like to put forward? Again, star six to unmute and um, state your name and organization. Eileen, this is Nancy Garter again from the World Herald. Yes. Uh, one more contextual question on the uh, shift to dry weather from Flood, flood conditions? This is a more general question. Can, can you all address to what extent, I think like I recall you all saying that one of the challenges of managing the basin anymore is this extreme swing between drought and flooding. Are we seeing a normal shift to dry period? Can, can you talk about that? Is this unusually dry, dry period? because uh, our readers are going to be real familiar with, oh, my God, we're flooding, and now we're talking about drought. What's this all about? Is there, I don't know, it's a kind of a vague question, but can you talk about 
um, how typical this dry shift might be or whether it's reflective of what you've been seeing in the past or maybe it's premature, but if that question makes any sense, that rambling question. Thank you. <laughs> and John, you John Reed. Uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll take a little bit of a stab there. I think from a water management point of view, we really, uh, it's too early to tell whether or not we're, we're into a long extended drought or an extreme uh, uh, something that's going to require ex extreme measures on our part. So I, I think it's it maybe from our perspective maybe a little premature for the question, but I would like to maybe have Doug Cluck uh, uh, offer some insight on that as well if you if you would Doug. Sure. Um, in fact, there's been a, a few articles and Nancy may be uh, aware of some of them by NOAA uh, researchers as well as others pointing to a shift in terms of an increase in variability, right? An increase in variability since about 1980. Some say 1980, some say uh, the mid-70s in precipitation and runoff uh, across the Midwest. And, I, and that really goes for the uh, Missouri Basin as well. Uh, that variability in which, in other words, we see a lot of swings, as you just mentioned, very dry to very wet, tends to be on the high side. In other words, uh, increasing precipitation, thus increasing runoff. Um, even though we have our drought periods still, uh, we're, what we're seeing are higher peaks on the wet side. Um, so. I don't know if that answers your question 100%, but that is what uh, that's what the trend shows, and uh, some have tied that to climate change. Yep. And are the valleys lower? The droughts? You know, I'm, I don't know if I would say that yet. Okay. Um, we, we, we certainly haven't seen. I guess the early 2000s we saw it sort of an extended drought. Uh, but some of the droughts we're seeing are super severe, but very short-lived. 2012 is the best example of that. Um, no, we don't want to go through 2012 again, but we certainly don't want to go through two or three or four years of 2012 either. <laughs> so, uh, but we just haven't seen that lately. What we have seen are extended periods of wetness. Yes, thank you very much. All right, thank you, Nancy. Uh, and any others uh, still on the line, if you have uh, remaining questions, star six to unmute. And John, did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, just uh, we uh, look forward to having uh, our public meeting next month and uh, uh, hope everybody can attend. Stay safe and uh, that's all I have. Thank you. All right, thanks, John. Uh, again, uh, thank you everyone for participating today. We do appreciate your participation as well as um, helping us to get the word out for the public meetings. So we'll be sending a press release on that and hope that you will uh, encourage those in your area to participate. Uh, this call will be recorded or it's been recorded. It will be placed on our website before the end of the day. And um, thank you again.